Welcome to Denver Sports Tonight. Taking a look at the biggest stories in Denver sports. From your online home for the best opinions and information on the Broncos, Nuggets, Avalanche, Rockies, and more. DenverSports.com. Jake Shapiro, Andrew Mason, and... It's like a sauna in here, Andrew Mason. <laughs> I know you just came back from Arizona like two weeks ago, but you brought the weather with you. It's crazy out there. Yeah, I mean, heat advisory today. We can have. Another, I, I haven't looked at tomorrow and Thursday. We can have a couple more uh, scorchers coming in here. I don't know. I got to check with Bianchi at 9, my guy. Uh, oh. I, I think it's going to cool down a little bit, which is, thank God, because I don't have air conditioning at home, and I, and I, I need it. Although but, we are looking at, a, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, we are actually looking at uh, quite a bit of rain coming in Friday and Saturday. Yeah, from the so, tropical storm. Yes, Hillary. <laughs> no, no, no. Hillary's gone. This is the, oh, the, the there's new a new one tropical storm. Gulf. Yeah. Oh, this is the one coming from the Gulf. It's coming up, right? Yeah. 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 Hillary, like the remnants of Hillary, went up to like Idaho and uh, you know the the northern Rockies up there. Yeah. Now, this is, but yeah, so it's if you're going to the Bronco game on Saturday night, you might be dealing with some rain out there. Which could be interesting in the kicking competition, which has some new developments. Ha. We will talk about that in a little bit. Nice segue. Thank you. I did want to start out with what I think is the biggest story right now in the NFL, Mason, is Jonathan Taylor is on his way out of Indianapolis. He is such a good running back. He's only 24 years old. He's one of these guys that is like on the cusp of getting paid but not just quite yet. He had a down season last year full of injuries, I know, because I had him on my fantasy team. And mm. if, if you're, you're out there and you had him on your fantasy team, you feel me right now. Uh, it's a very small percentage of us. Uh, so I'm going to stop talking about that. But, you know, J- Jonathan Taylor was named as the fourth most likely landing spot to be the Denver Broncos on recent odds by DraftKings Sportsbook, uh, followed by Dolphins, Bears, Ravens. Or, or Dolphins, Bears, Ravens in front, and then the Broncos uh, as the fourth most likely landing team. This kind of stunned me, Mace, that a lot of people are picking up this Jonathan Taylor to the Broncos smoke. Yeah, and especially when we're talking about the price. Um, according to Stephen Holder of ESPN, the Colts are seeking a first-round pick or a package of choices that adds up to a first-round pick. Mm. So basically you're talking a one or I would say two twos. Um. Remember, the Broncos have already given away. Um, uh, they've already given away what their third round pick next year, I believe, because they uh, when they made that move for Riley Moss. So the Broncos are kind of compromised there to begin with. Um, it would be intriguing. That here's the thing, though: if you trade for Jonathan Taylor and you're going to get value out of him relative to what you'd be surrendering, you'd have to sign into a three- or four-year contract extension, right? I mean, you could franchise tag him next year and see where it goes, but I would think you'd want to get him locked up long-term. It's not, even though it would be a galvanizing move for one year, it's not a move that you would that you would think in just in terms of this year if you're going to get true value out of that. Um, yeah, I don't think the Broncos are trading for Jonathan Taylor. I think there are multiple reasons why, including... Preserving what draft capital they do still have, but it's an intriguing possibility. Personally, I'm opposed to it, but it's an intriguing possibility. Just to add to your point further on draft capital, and I completely forgot about this, and I think a lot of people have as well. 
The Broncos didn't just trade a first this past season for Sean Payton. Mm-hmm. They traded a second-round pick in this coming draft yeah. for Sean Payton as well. They did get a third back, but like you said, they've already flipped a pick for Riley Moss. Mm-hmm. And I believe there is a third-round pick in this year's draft supposed to go to Seattle as well. So I think the Broncos have a first and a fourth, if I'm correct, as uh, of right now. They might have two fourths, one from the Dolphins as well in the Bradley Chubb trade. Okay. I think they got one of those. Yeah, what happened? Like So basically... Basically, um, Denver. So Denver had two third round picks this coming year, right? Mm-hmm. Theirs and the one they got from the Saints. They did not have a second round pick. And then one of those two third rounders, and then a fourth rounder last year was traded for Riley Moss. So they're basically now their draft cat complement is first, third, no second. That's it, and they don't have an extra third-round pick anymore because they because they dealt it for Riley Moss. So, to get put it this way, to get Jonathan Taylor, they're having to trade next year's first-round pick, and I can't see this team, especially with the need for a potential escape hatch if Russell Wilson can't get all the way back. I can't see a deal for Jonathan Taylor making any logical sense because I don't think the Broncos are going to give up ha, can give up player capital. That's the equivalent of a first round pick, unless you're talking about trading Justin Simmons. But the Colts, the Colts don't want players; they want picks. They're thinking of the future. This is year one with Anthony Richardson. They are playing the long game here. This year is about seeing what Anthony Richardson's potential is at the quarterback position. Um, that's why they want draft capital. I think, logically speaking, to get to say nothing of how Javante Williams looked on Saturday and where they have a running back, I think logically just doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, and I was going to touch on the running backs thing in a second, uh, but let's just say things do go south for the Broncos this year, and I I don't see it going this far south, Mm -hmm. but we almost got there last year. That pick could very easily end up being Caleb Williams or Drake May. Very easily. And and it's not like the Colts would take one of those guys, so they'd trade out like similar to what the Bears did this past season. But if things went south and you're in the situation where the Broncos could have had Caleb Williams, but you traded that for Jonathan Taylor, you're kicking yourself. So in my mind, that alone makes it so you cannot do that move. The secondary thought in uh, 7952 just brought this up in the text line. If you're trading for JT, Jonathan Taylor, you're in win now mode. Yes. I don't. No. Do you really think the Broncos are in win-now mode? Because the trade to get Russell Wilson indicated to me they thought they're in win-now mode. So now they're in this kind of weird purgatory where they made the win-now move, but they've brought in a head coach, and they're kind of rebuilding, but they're also, they've got the quarterback that indicates they need to win now. They do, but they're also evaluating whether that quarterback is going to be viable for the future as well. Mm. That's part of it. Now, I don't think Sean Payton would have taken this job if he did not believe that he could get Russell Wilson back. But it's like this morning I was asked on the Players Club just about whether Russell Wilson was back yet or not. And I'm all I could say right now is I don't know. We don't have the answer to that here on August 22nd. I don't think we're going to have the answer to that on September 22nd and maybe not even October 22nd. This is going to play out over the year. Unfortunately, uh, the sports realm is not the most patient realm. But I think patience and seeing how the arc goes for Russell Wilson this year is going to be advisable because it's possible that you could get something early that Vic Fangio would call false positive. You could also get struggles early that become successes 
in the back half of the schedule as Russell Wilson gets comfortable with what he's doing in Sean Payton's offense. Well, let's just, look at, let's just look at last year. It was a disaster in week one. Russ actually looked really good. Yeah. You thought after week one, as frustrating as that was, I still thought this team's going to be okay because Wilson and the offense looked good. And despite all the misadventures at the end game scenario with 46 left hash, settling for that 64-yard kick, you could basically say if you take away one of the Melvin Gordon or Javante Williams fumbles near the goal line, the Broncos win that game. Or another play, Alex Singleton on a blitz just misses Geno Smith, and he throws a touchdown. If Singleton gets home and makes that play, Broncos win that game. So that's what, like, after week one, I was like, okay, I think they're going to be fine. The issues didn't really become evident until you got deeper into the season. And the margins are normally that thin in the NFL. I'll give that person out there a uh, some credit. But generally speaking, you don't lose four of the four 50-50 plays in a game that swing it. Generally, yes. you know, it's two and two or one and three, and that's how that game goes. Mm-hmm. Um, on Taylor, and you mentioned the running backs thing, how many running backs do you really need? You know, in, in the Broncos right now, they have two really good backs in Williams and Pirine. Mm-hmm. We're seeing McLaughlin... I think he's enough. I think he's enough to be your third running back. I think he's enough to maybe be a future number one running back. I think so, too. So why would the Broncos need Taylor? And I look at that odds maker and I say, well, that's somebody that's not attuned to things that are going on at Dove Valley right now. Mm -hmm. And saying the Broncos running back room might be one of the strongest out of anywhere in their position rooms. Right. It's not a position I look at as a weakness right now, partially because Javante Williams He's not all the way there. I'd say he looked like 85% of himself on Saturday. 85% of him with 100% of Samaj P. Ryan, with the two of them dividing up the repetitions, plus a dash of Jaleel McLaughlin coming in and providing some explosiveness on the outside. That's fine. You can do reasonably well with that. And you assume, and I don't think you just hope, you assume and believe Javante Williams is going to get his strength back as time goes by. Mm-hmm. Certainly the fact that he is where he is after tearing multiple ligaments in his knee ten and a half months ago, it augurs well for where he's going to go. So, yeah, I think, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, Jake. It's an odds maker making that list who isn't particularly keyed in on where the Broncos really are right now roster-wise. And again, we we mentioned it in passing, and you could have heard it on Orange and Blue today. Mace and I went really deep on this guy. Jaleel McLaughlin is, I don't even want to say interesting anymore. He seems like a real threat to be a part of the Broncos, Mm -hmm. not only roster, but scheming. And as I'm doing this, Mike Kliss just dropped an article about him, and I know you've got one coming on DenverSports.com. He's not only going to make the 53-man, in my opinion, he's going to take some share of the touches at the skill position because of what he's done in this preseason. Absolutely. Um, He's probably pushed at least one running back that they intended to make the roster out of a spot, but a spot... um, I mean, certainly, like, Tyler Beatty, he was a guy who flashed in Week 18 last year. Looked like he had a chance to make the team, and he gets hurt until McLaughlin takes the extra snaps and just runs with him, literally and figuratively. 
Beatty now looks like a guy who's ticketed for the practice squad because of what McLaughlin did. Um, you wonder if Tony Jones Jr. makes the 53. Right now, I'd say he's probably running back four. He puts him right there on the on the bubble. Do you keep four running backs? Do you keep three? Uh, depends on how heavy or light you're going in other positions. Um, McLaughlin, and then look, we've seen this with other players for Sean Payton over the years back in New Orleans where guy was undrafted, flashed, changed the plan. Jalil McLaughlin, I think, changed some plans for Sean Payton in a good way. And that's in addition, the undrafted flashing thing, Mm -hmm. to the fact that Peyton has always tried to take the best assets of all of his running backs and combine Mm -hmm. them into one player. Yep. He always has been this Bill Belichick type guy where it's like, all right, this is my, you know, primary running down back. This is my third down back. This is my passing game back. This is my inside back. This is my outside back. And he categorizes those guys. Yes, it's a tip to maybe what the team is doing, but he tries to create, as you always say, Mace, these guys in the aggregate to make a great running back. And it does seem like McLaughlin does some things that Williams and P. Ryan both don't. Yeah, he's probably got more burst. I mean, look, Javante Williams runs through people. I mean, he made his name as a rookie with the Angry Run segment on NFL Network, right? He became the star of that. He runs through you. Joel McLaughlin makes you miss. Joel McLaughlin stops on a dime sends you flailing, and then takes advantage of the open space that's created. Both of his touchdowns last last Saturday. Whoop! Yeah, Whoop. exactly. You said that on Orange Blue today. It was like the Chris Berman sound effect uh, that he did back in the day. You could almost hear it in your mind's ear as you're watching, as you're watching those plays. Um, that shows special ability on his part, mm-hmm. but that's a club that Javante Williams and Samaj P. Ryan don't have in their bags, the ability to miss. They're bigger backs. They're going to pound you. They're going to run through you. They can go straight line in a hurry. Jalen McLaughlin is somebody. He can go straight line in a hurry, too. But he's what? You know, he's 183 pounds. He, that, that puts him about you know, 25, 30, 35 pounds below those other two running backs. So he's just a different body type with a different skill set. But it's a skill set you need. There are going to be some weeks where you're going to emphasize this, the speed back. There are some weeks where you're going up against a team that's weak in the front seven. Maybe they're weak at inside linebacker, and you say, okay, we are going to pound the rock with P. Ryan and Javante. That's, yeah, and, but that's the way Belichick handled it. It was match, His running back use was matchup based. If you're playing fantasy football, you hated it. But it worked for the Patriots. worked very well. So looking at what the Broncos have coming ahead of them, mm-hmm. which is joint practices the next couple of days with the Rams and then the preseason game with the Rams, in their running back room, mm-hmm. is the depth chart already in pen? Is it in pencil? What more could we possibly learn in this final week of the preseason? Because I look at it and I say, all right, I know what the Broncos' running back depth chart looks like. I know who's making the roster. I know who's not. And I don't think anything's changing in the next week. Everything is in pencil because of injuries. But if if we weren't considering injuries, I think it would be in Sharpie at this point. Mm. Um, the reason why I say that is, remember, Brandon Johnson looked like he was about to make the team. And then he gets injured in the preseason finale last year. And they end up waving him as an injured player and then bringing him back to the practice squad and getting him back to the 53 later on in the season. That's the only thing that I think could really change the dynamic on how this is looking. But this appears very much to be one Javante, two P. Ryan, three Jaleel McLaughlin right now. And you mentioned this on Orange and Blue today earlier on DenverSports.com's digital platforms. Nice. 
Thank you. That's a that's a five star promo right there. You can find us at Denver Sports Com, <laughs> Facebook, <laughs> YouTube, X, Twitter. Um, we're, we're we're everywhere. You mentioned that they might carry four running backs. You also mentioned that Albert Okawebenon, based off the week he has had in practice blocking, mm-hmm. might make a case for the team to carry five tight ends. Six six three three just pointed out, and I had forgotten about this in this great point out. I wouldn't be surprised if Sean Payton's initial cut roster got the Broncos down to 49 or 50 mm-hmm. because they're going to look around the NFL at adding guys. And Sean has said this in the past, and George Payton has kind of hinted at this in the past. I wouldn't be surprised if we see some, I don't want to say significant changes to the Broncos roster, but we see a guy picked up in the next week or two that is going to be an impact player for the Broncos this coming season. Absolutely. They have the number five waiver claim right now, Jake. They're going to take that for a spin. It's actually what you should do when you're in the position the Broncos are in. And frankly, we've seen a little of it over the course of the preseason. Although we're sitting here raving about an undrafted rookie running back, this is still a roster that could use more depth at plenty of spots. You might be able to find a, back, a better backup interior offensive lineman than the one you have, ones you have on the roster right now. Um, you could find a usable pass rusher, which we found out last year when the Broncos got rid of uh, Malik Reed. Uh huh. That that too would be interesting if uh, if they made a move there. Um, I'd say cornerback is another interesting spot. Um, I mean. Fabian Moreau might stick, but what if you see somebody younger and better that you like on the on the waiver wire? Are um, you looking for a number two corner or a number three corner in your mind? Ooh, well, I think your your slot corner is pretty well set. Although, for all the players that returned to practice today, Jake, one of them who did not was K1 Williams, mm-hmm. and K1 has dealt with injuries over the course of the last few years. They're starting to catch up with him. Isang Bassi getting a lot of work now as the slot corner. He had an interception from that position against Arizona. His interception against San Francisco was when he was working at safety because he's working there with P.J. Lockdown and Lockdown, P.J. Lock injured, Lockdown. J. Lock, comma, down. Yeah, I know, yeah. Punctuation. Punctuation. Dash. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Commas matter. Commas save lives sometimes. Um, Vampire Weekend disagrees. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so Bassey has made himself valuable, but do you maybe look for somebody else who can also be a fill-in slot as well, uh, depending, because if you if you have K1 Williams on the shelf for any amount of time, you get beyond E saying Bassey, all of a sudden the depth becomes as thin as a promise, then what do you do? So... I think there could be some interesting moves on the back end. Uh, I wouldn't even be at all surprised to see a move at wide receiver as well because right now that's looking pretty thin. I think you feel pretty good about Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Marvin Mims Jr., and I think Brandon Johnson is wide receiver four. But who's wide receiver five? Is it little Jordan Humphrey right now because of his special teams role? Um, I think Jalen Virgil had a good chance to be that, but now he's only getting injured reserve with torn meniscus. And for me, I actually really like Mims, but... I really like him for the future. I don't know how yeah. ready he is right now, and that's okay. He's a, he's a rookie. He wasn't a first-round pick or anything. Uh, yeah, so I, I think Brandon Johnson might actually be, like in terms of usage rate, 
their third receiver, uh, well, not counting tight ends. Once Tim Patrick went out, Brandon Johnson basically came in. Um, and it looked to me today, watching Brandon Johnson, although they were still easing him back in, it looked like he was basically ready to step back into the same role that he had before, mm-hmm. that he didn't lose any ground in the timeout. And because of that, I'd say you can put Brandon Johnson and Sharpie on the roster. So if the Broncos were to hit the waivers, they would use that first claim, maybe on an offensive lineman, mm-hmm. maybe on a pass rusher or a corner like you kind of laid out. And then that second time around in the claim order, it would be, hey, can we add some depth to the wide receiver room? It's not we don't need a, t- a top end or a guy that's really going to play mm-hmm. a ton because you feel confident in the first two. Johnson, we're starting to feel a lot confident more in. Right. And then you think of a Sean Payton offense. You're, are you really using more than two wide receivers most uh, of the time, let alone three? Not much. That's the thing. You know, you have to think about how players are going to be used, how much you're going to get out of them, right? Um, thinking about it today as I'm starting to kind of turn over what I expect the 53-player roster to be, Today was a day that I kind of started considering five wide receivers. Mm. Um, Did you have six before? I had six, but I didn't feel good about it. Now, I think five is very much in play. And uh, you start kind of looking at the offense. Let's say they go two quarterbacks, which I'd say is probably the guess right now. Two QBs, five receivers, that's seven. Nine offensive linemen, that's 16. Um so two is so it's two QBs, three running backs. It's five uh, receivers, ten, nine offensive linemen, and then uh, you got room for some tight ends as well. You, you might have you might have room for five tight ends, and you can sneak Kendall into the practice squad. You'll be all right. Yeah, <laughs> and that's another thing. When you look at players who've gone to the practice squad before, the chance, especially the farther they get out from being rookies, they've got a better chance to pass through. That's why some of the calculus here could be this. Tony Jones Jr., Jaleel McLaughlin. Which player are you more likely to get back if you put them on, if you release them? Right, because chances are both are going to play this year uh-huh. based off injuries in the NFL, particularly the running back position. Right. But I'd say after watching the film, because everyone wants new, young, and fresh, everybody in the league will have seen that film with Jaleel McLaughlin doing it in the game against San Francisco, uh, building on what he did the previous week. Um,. Because of that, I think the chances of him getting through the waiver wire are slim. And, yeah, there aren't many waiver claims around the NFL, but when you see some unique talent like that, some unique moves like that, and you look at Jonathan at the Colts looking to move on from Jonathan Taylor, maybe needing a running back, McLaughlin might be an obvious one to bring in. You talked about that on Orange and Blue today, Jake. I think you're going to have to, if you, if you value Julio McLaughlin, you're going to have to keep him. Speaking of new, young, and fresh, the Broncos will be looking for new, young, or fresh at this position. And nobody has covered this position like Andrew Mason. We'll talk about it back on the other side. It's Denver Sports Tonight on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Jake Shapiro, Andrew Mason from DenverSports.com, your digital home for this radio station. We've got all the latest and greatest news and opinions and thoughts of stuff going on in Denver sports. Um, 
a lot of that the last couple days actually has been about the kicking situation, Mace, and I talked about it right before we went to break. The Broncos are still looking for something new, young, or fresh at that position. They've kept their eyes on the market as they're trying to replace Brandon McManus after his long tenure here in Denver. Brett Maher had a lot better of a week two in the preseason than week one. And he has obviously topped Elliot Fry on the depth chart, who was cut today from his injury. You just wrote about this at denversports.com. But where do we stand in the Denver Broncos kicking competition as of today? Where will they go? I mean, this is kind of a curious competition. There's more intrigue probably outside of the Broncos' walls regarding the kicker competition than inside. Because we're talking about a situation where... First of all, you still have a couple of really accomplished veterans that are just sitting out there, right? Robbie Gold sitting out there. Mason Crosby, the pride of uh, the University of Colorado, sitting out there. Yeah. I mean, Mason Crosby would make a fair amount of the Broncos fan base swoon. If he can't, if if he was kicking for the Broncos, you know, <laughs> wasn't Mason Crosby bad last year? I mean, I love Mason. Okay, he, he was actually pretty good, but I think Gold has aged better better than Mason Crosby has. Well, Gold tenor generally ages very well. That's true. It's a very oh, steady. Different. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Thank you. Not nah, you. You're on fire today, man. <laughs> That's because I didn't get any sleep last night. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, you, you, yeah. I guess I got all the sleep you. Because I, I haven't been sleeping much, and yet the last two nights I've slept well. I don't know what happened. You, you, it's because you feel a little bit better about the Broncos kicking competition. Maybe, you, because you know, Brett Maher was perfect yeah. on Saturday. By the way, gosh, did you watch the post-game press conference? Uh, with Sean. Yeah, where yes. you, they mispronounced who was that. I, I think it was Mike Kliss who <laughs> said, said Mahar. Mahar, yeah. Not Maher, and, and, and the Look on Sean Payton's face. I, the, the Sean Payton has this "I don't suffer fools" vibe about him. Well, it was so great because his response was back was "Yes, Mahar did a good job." Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's like, "I will also say the incorrect name oh of my this kicker." Gosh, it was. It, was it, it did look good, and and I wrote about it yesterday because the Broncos had been linked to Will Lutz, the veteran kicker who's competing with Blake Group uh, down in uh, New Orleans for a job right he, now. He was at Notre Dame. He's a rookie. Yeah. So they're looking at Lutz, and what I've kind of gathered, Mace, from these kicking competitions is right now. The Broncos have the option of getting someone completely young that we have not heard of that I'm sure was good in college, getting two veteran kickers who have both been awesome in their careers and Mason Crosby and, and Robbie Gold, um, trying to finagle a kicker off of another one of these rosters or keeping uh, Mahar, uh, as we like to call him. <laughs> so the problem is, is in any of these scenarios, it seems like you're taking a bet of do I want my kicker to make every single extra point and be very good from 39 and in and maybe give you something to 45, 46, 47? Or do I want a kicker who's a little bit more erratic with these extra points but can hit from 55, 58? That seems to be the Broncos' options and, right now. And that's, yeah, and that's Maher. <laughs> yeah, nice. Thank you. That's, that's Mahar, Maher, tomato, tomato. Because this dude has a cannon. Um, the interest like the nuke Lelouch of kickers. A little bit, yeah. Um, hopefully, when he sings "Try a Little Tenderness," he gets the lyrics right. 
<laughs> you know, women don't get woolly, they get weary. <laughs> she's not having stress, she's wearing a dress. <laughs> Sorry, that is like, that, that came up in a conversation last night. That's why that scene is on my mind. Because I don't handle it when people get the lyrics wrong either. I don't deal very well with that. I'm trying to see, because someone mentioned this, that Mason Crosby was struggling to hit from 40-plus last year. And I remember that, too. I also remember Mason really struggling in a couple of the playoff games the last couple of years. So mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm on the Robbie Gold side as of uh, anything. There, there quite literally is a pro football talk rumor from a day ago linking um, Mason Crosby to the Broncos, which, again, makes sense. We're doing it right now. Yeah. They've moved on from McManus. Now, Mason Crosby last year. He was 6 of 7 from 40 to 49, but 1 of 4 from 50-plus. So that would put him at 7 of 11 from 40-plus in total. So can Russ get you to the 37-yard line? You're good. Yeah. Uh, he he was 18 of 18 from inside of 40 was uh, was was Mason Crosby. Which is like and, – and that's kind of what I think, Mason. That's yeah. where I always fall on the kicking competitions is I want a guy – who is going to make every single extra point mm-hmm. and is just money from 40 and in. Right. And that's Will Lutz. Like, I, you know, and it is annoying that you end up in these situations where it's like, we are on the 35-yard line and it's fourth and three. What do we do? i I'm just always been one of these guys that says, go for it. Okay. If you have it, here's the thing. Like, if you're talking about third down, like on a fourth down, there comes a point where you should kick, and you're probably and, and probably the 35. If you've got like fourth and fourth and four, with most kickers, you should probably kick if you need a field goal. But in terms of the risk reward ratio, the point at which the risk of running another play and having a turnover outweighs the reward, it actually it's a lot closer it's actually about it's actually getting to the the 18 yard line i calculated this a few years ago so you need to go, so Basically, according to you you need to go to the 18 yard line in order to go for it on fourth down no that's when you you're better off kicking than just running another play not a mm. fourth down but like if you have second and if you have second and 5 at the 18 or you can kick right then and there you are at that at that point the 18 yard line the reward no longer outweighs the risk in terms of running another play. So <laughs> Andrew Mason's football team, it's first and 10 on the uh, 11-yard line. We're kicking field goals. Well, unless you need a touchdown right then and there. <laughs> but if you, if, you, if you only need three, if you're down three, if you're down two points and you're trying to win a game, that's the moment where you say, okay, we're good, stop. Okay, okay. That's, I was like, you're Daryl Morey out here just going for well, threes. Well I, was think, well, I was thinking about this because you remember in 2018, the Broncos lost a game to the Texans because they got to what was like a 50-yard field goal for Brandon McManus, a 50-yard yeah. attempt against Houston, and they stopped. And I'm like, okay, I know this is wrong, and I know there's a number to prove it. And so I went back through like five years of data and I can't. And that's what I came up. So with. joking aside, it, it's really the situation where it's like, <laughs> it's you are, it's it's, you know, you need three points essentially, and it's late in the game, and you have an opportunity to run the clock down a little bit more and mm-hmm. kind of start setting up the the field goal and, or continue to go. And at the point where you should start kind of meandering is the eighteen, right? And okay. the other, the other thing to consider as well is this: 
I'm also a big believer that if you get to that range of the field, you kick on third down. In case you have a bad snap. Right. Yeah. So that, that's another thing you consider. Like when you call the timeout, on a, if you've got like a third a third down, you don't call the timeout at two seconds. You call a timeout at six seconds. So if there's a bad snap or something goes wrong, you can recover it, throw it, roll out, throw it away, and you have one second left to try again. You know, That's a, I, I learned that watching uh, Joe Gibbs' Washington teams in the 80s. They, they won a game in Philadelphia because they kicked on, I believe it was third down, and there was a bad snap, and they were able to throw it away. There was enough time on the clock, and then with the, with the, when they tried again, it was through the uprights. You see how much I'm smiling right now? I know. Because my dream <laughs> NFL play is the field goal that goes awry at the buzzer that requires them, because they do not have a timeout, yes. to spike the ball rather than just kneel on it. Yes. That's an amazing play. I, I love that play so much because it perfectly encapsulates both how stupid, silly, and awesome football is. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's a stupid sport. It's it a is. silly sport, but gosh, do I love it. It's a, Exactly. It's a stupid sport, and it has some stupid rules. Like, if you fumble it into the end zone and it goes out of bounds, mm-hmm. but the other team does not establish possession, they get the ball at the 20-yard line on a touchback. That's stupid because the other t- that is the only spot on the field where the opposing the, the team that recovers doesn't have to establish possession and gets the ball. Right. It is bonkers. It makes no sense. When you are when it's closest a play from to scrimmage. scoring, too. When yes. You, you have done the most, and then you have done this, the, the worst. It helped the Broncos in a 2018 game against Pittsburgh. But even then, I'm like, I hate that rule. Why? If it goes out of bounds at the one-yard line, the offense keeps it. But if it goes into the end zone out of bounds, it's a touchback, and the opponent gets it, even though they didn't establish possession. It makes no logical sense, and I'm a, and I'm a logical guy. So, anyway. Since we're, talking, mind. since we're talking 2018 Broncos, <laughs> in 20, twice in this show, yes. In 2018, <laughs> they lost to this opponent. They won the NFC in 2018. They went 13 and three, and they joined the Denver Broncos for joint practices tomorrow. Mace, I need all of your thoughts on joint practices when we come back on the other side. Denver Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents Denver Sports Tonight. Jake Shapiro, Andrew Mason, and you guys are not hearing the show we're doing between commercial bakes, breaks, which is um, bakes, breaks. Uh, I was thinking about food because I'm hungry. Me too. I'm eat after the show. Um, but we're doing the show of off air of Brenton Doyle needs a little more pop in his bat because we both love watching him play as a defensive center fielder. I don't know that the the, the large audience is interested in Brenton Doyle chats, but the Rockies are currently beating the Rays, which are one of the best teams in baseball. And I know Mace is pretty excited because uh, another one of the better teams in baseball, the Atlanta Braves, coming to town next weekend. So we're, we're going to learn some things about the Rockies' young players here while we're all caught up with the Broncos and just know denversports.com. We cover all of it, including the Colorado Rockies. So if you've had enough of, uh, you know, one sport or another, you can you can always hit denversports.com and hear our thoughts on that as yeah. well. We, we do a pretty good job, you and I, splitting up the Rockies, I think, this year. I think we found a groove with that. Yeah, and I know I know people really care about the bigger picture stuff, and, you know, the road to 100 is getting very, very interesting here down the stretch, as we kind of <laughs> predicted. Uh, I did want to... Um, get into joint practices stuff towards the end of the hour here. But I, I did want to start with Nikola Jokic is topping all of the ESPN 
odds makers, thoughts, experts on who will win the MVP this coming season. I'll ask you this as someone who's not, you know, I'm quite literally wearing a Denver Nuggets shirt right now. And KJ, I, w- I want your thoughts on this too. Do you guys even care if Nikola Jokic wins another MVP at this point, KJ? Yes. Okay. Why? I want him to be to eventually emerge into the conversation of one of the greatest of all time. Okay. He's one of the greatest as a center. He's the most unique center ever, but I want him to emerge in that conversation because he's been put under the mat sort of kind of for the majority of his career. And I want people to start to look at how unique he was. Tim Duncan was great, and he did similar things to Jokic outside of the defense, of course. But on the flip side, Tim Duncan always got his respect through and through. Jokic is just starting to get his. So I want for the trajectory of the rest of his career to be all about why didn't we honor one of the greatest to ever do it. Tim Duncan, two MVPs, by the way. Yeah. Do you remember how Deion Sanders with the Pro Football Hall of Fame has his idea of like have a separate room behind a velvet rope, basically? Yeah, I, okay. I think I think the Hall of Fame you need the top level and then the the regulars, okay. right. the one percenters, so to speak, the one percent of the one percent. So let let me go through the list of three time NBA MVPs here: Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Moses Malone, LeBron James, Will Chamberlain, Michael Jordan, Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I think the only person the the average fan wouldn't say in that list is Moses Malone, and you would know better than me, but I know uh, Moses Malone was just an exceptional player. He was a force of nature, was Moses Malone. And he actually was one he was kind of the, one of the first players to come straight from high school. He's from Petersburg, Virginia. Had a scholarship to Maryland, didn't go, you know, and then went straight into the pro ranks, the ABA, then the NBA. And then I mean, he he's kind of been forgotten a little bit to the winds of history, but but if that's the worst outcome that was, of Jokic's career, I mean, come on. The, the 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 man was a brilliant brute with with a surprising amount of grace in how he played the game and a deft scoring touch. To me, that so that's that is eight that's eight players. And to me, that's that's behind the belt. That's the velvet rope category right there. And I think the interesting thing right now is you got Nikola Jokic with two MVPs and Giannis with two MVPs. And they're both still at the absolute apex of their games. Who's going to be the first to get through and get behind that velvet rope and join that top class all time? And win a second title, perhaps. And you know what? They might be they might be competing for that second title against each other. It didn't happen this year. If you ask me to pick a finals right now, I'm still going Denver-Milwaukee. Yeah, me too. And, and, you know, the thing is, I think after the LeBron era, it's kind of bled into the Steph era. But I think Giannis and Joker are currently fighting for who's that next mm-hmm. top dog. Kareem had six MVPs. That's the most. That's why I care. If Jokic, and I'm still sour about it, had his third MVP, he would have been the first since Larry Bird to go three straight. Yeah, I want Jokic to come for Kareem. I regard Kareem as maybe the greatest player of all time, and Jokic has a chance to be, you know, regarded in that upper echelon, as you mentioned, Mace. Uh, I want to get to this before we run out of time. Is tomorrow the most important day of Broncos preseason football as they open up joint practices with the Rams? Oh, heck yeah. I'd say even more so than uh, the preseason game work. You're going to get starters' extensive work. I would have liked to have seen the offensive line try to go against Aaron Donald. Donald, of course, has you know some wonderful news on his personal front that he's waiting out, so he's not going to be uh, he's not going to be here for the practices. But still, this is a nice litmus test. 
The Rams, as bad as they were last year, remember, was you know impacted by injuries. They're not as bad as that record showed last year. And also for the Broncos against that weekend Rams team, they got punked on Christmas Day. Biggest embarrassment. For those who are returning, here's a chance to send a message that this year is going to be different. Between Rams tries, Rams guys trying to make the rosters, Broncos guys trying to make the roster, and trying to get back at the Rams, I think you're going to have a lot of excitement at that practice. He's Andrew Mason. I'm Jake Shapiro. Denver Sports Tonight. DenverSports.com. 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 Denver Sports. Denver Sports. Denver Sports. Denver Sports.